Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to add my welcome to Pastor David and Matthew, and it's great to see you here live today. I'm finally getting to preach to live people in the audience, so it's great to be able to do that. We love the online audience, too. It's really wonderful that we've had this, and that will continue stronger than ever before, Um, but it's also great to welcome you here. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. I'm quite confident that if Jesus were still walking the earth and he uh, happened to be our guest, we invited him to be our guest preacher today, that um, Jesus would have no loss of words. He wouldn't be struggling to find something to say in regard to what's going on in our current uh, environment here in our country and in our community. Uh, In fact, he actually addresses it here in the passage that we're going to read. And my aim and my goal today is to speak to the current realities that we have from my heart and to address it from the heart, Uh, not address it from a a systemic uh, situation, but more what can I do? How am I supposed to respond? And so we are looking for God's direction for personal response in light of what's going on around us. Matthew 5, verse 8, it says this, short little verse, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Most days here at the church when I'm working, I I eat my lunch uh, at my desk. That's what happens most days. I'm usually busy answering emails from you, and so I just sit at my desk and work and eat. But every now and then, I want to go somewhere for lunch. And on Tuesday of this week, I wanted to go somewhere, and so I um, told Suzanne, my assistant, hey, I'm going to go out to eat today. I'm just, I'm going to leave when it's lunchtime. And so it came time to eat. I grabbed my keys, I grabbed my sunglasses, I went downstairs, and I walked out the door exactly like I always do to where I expect to see my truck, and my truck wasn't there. You ever had that happen? Like you're expecting everything, and you look, wait a minute, it's not where it's supposed to be. And so I get bewildered, I get kind of confused. Wait a minute, what happened? And then it occurred to me, the reason my truck wasn't there is because earlier in the day, I had taken my truck to the shop and dropped it off. Somebody had driven me to work. I didn't even bring my truck to work. I had just forgotten about it in the rush of the day. I dropped it off somewhere else. Why wasn't my truck there? Because I didn't park it there. I think sometimes that's the way we interact with God. We pick up the sunglasses and pick up our keys and head where we think we're supposed to go. We put on our clothes We pick up our Bible, we get in our car, we pile in the family, and we head to go see God. And sometimes, we don't see Him. Jesus was addressing this very real thing that we all face. So we want to see God? How do we see Him? Reading this verse, there are two words that require definition. The word pure and the word heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. So what does it mean 
to have a pure heart. Pure means one of the meanings is we're not wearing a costume. The word that he uses is back in the day, people that did plays and dramatic um, things then would wear costumes that included a mask. And they would put on this, this mask to portray whoever they were playing in the drama. And so Jesus is saying one of the ways that we define pure when you want to be pure in heart is that we take off the mask, that we stop trying to pretend to be somebody that we're not, that we be honest and transparent with God and with each other. If we want to be pure in heart, it means that that we're not wearing a mask, that we're taking the mask off. Now, I'm not suggesting that for these days you do what you feel like is the right thing to do, but in order to have a pure heart, spiritually, it means that that in our heart, we've got no mask on, that we're not wearing a costume. That's one of the meanings. The other meaning is that we are singularly concentrated on God. Pure means we are singularly concentrated on God. It means that He's our, our only focus, that all of our attention is on what God is saying and what, what's God's will for me and what is, what is my relationship with Him. We're, we're less worried about the other influences. We're not, one of the words that matches is that we're not deluded. We're, we don't have undivided, we, excuse me, we have undivided loyalties. We don't have divided loyalties. Not like we're trying to please seven different people at the same time. We got one person we're trying to please, and that's God. One of the metaphors you might, that might resonate with you is it's the difference between a spring and a river. You see, I think they've got a, a spring picture for me. A spring's right where the water comes out of the ground and it's crystal clear and it's pure. And then just a few miles later, that, that spring flows and you know what it gets? It has other tributaries that's, that pour into it. And, and yeah, it's still good enough for fishing and things like that and it's good enough for taking a canoe down, but, but the spring is pure. And Jesus says... You need to have a pure heart, like spring-fed heart, like undiluted, no other influences. You know, that's really hard these days. There are so many influences in our lives, so many voices trying to persuade us or give us opinions about things. And Jesus says, if you want to have a pure heart, where you're getting your information needs to be really, really singular. It needs to be very focused on what God is saying to us, not diluted like a river, but pure like a spring. That's what it means to be pure. No mask on and pure like a spring. So what does the word heart mean? Well, heart is what you are when nobody is around but God. Nobody knows but God. Somebody said, the heart is who you are when your head hits the pillow and there's nobody else there. It's the deep core of who you are. It's the inside of us. It's not the outward appearance that everybody sees. It's the inward being. It's from the heart, Jesus said, that evil comes. In fact, Matthew 15, 18 and 19 says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a man. Where do they come from? They come from our heart, from deep within us. 
Jesus was speaking to a culture that was all consumed with what they ate and what they drank. And Jesus was saying, it's not what you're putting in. It's not what you're consuming. It's what's coming out of you that defiles you. It's our heart. It's what's on the outside of us. They were, that culture, not unlike us, that culture was consumed with the ritual, with the practice, with the external. In fact, the laws that they had for cleanliness are unbelievable. Certain ways to wash their hands and certain ways to wash their face and certain ways to clean their clothes and certain ways to put them on and certain ways to take them off, all trying to clean themselves. You know what they were doing? It's like they had a bunch of sanitizer and they're using sanitizer everywhere they can because they've got to clean the outside. And Jesus said, yeah, you're doing a really good job cleaning the outside, but on the inside, it's evil thoughts, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. Doesn't matter the outside. You know, the truth is it doesn't matter how much sanitizer we have, there's not enough sanitizer in the world to clean our heart. It can clean our hands, but it can't clean our heart. Whatever the heart is, it's what God looks at. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. I was talking about King David before he came king. So whatever the heart is, it's what God looks at. It's the part of us that God looks at. And Jesus said, if you want to see God, you got to have a pure heart. It's got to be spring-fed and no mask on. It's got to be the core, the inner being. Not, not on the outside, but the inside. And then Jesus does this amazing pivot. He kind of he kind of turns everything on his head. I think they're saying so far, they're going, okay, we're with you, Jesus. We're not sure what the heart is and all that, but yeah, we're with you. And then Jesus does this amazing pivot, and he actually applies that idea himself. As I was beginning the study, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, so what is an application? What does somebody with a pure heart do? How do I, how do I know? What's, what's the evidence in my own life that I've got a pure heart? Because it's not... It's not a mask, and it's not, a, it's not more hand sanitizer. How, how do I know if I have a pure heart? And Jesus himself does it. I want to show you a picture of my Bible, just a picture of the pages where this passage is found. Right up here on the top left is the beatitude. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then Jesus does this pivot. And before he lists, there's seven different applications for this. And before he lists them, he says, by the way, you're going to think that I'm, that I'm abolishing the law, that I'm saying everything you've heard before doesn't matter. But that's not what I'm doing. I'm just fulfilling the law. What you had in the law was a recipe, but I'm the cake, okay? And here's the way you live this out. Here's the way you apply it. They actually, all of them except the last one, start with the words, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. So this is the way you've been doing it. Now there's a new way. The old way was this, how you prepare yourself to come to God. All the cleanliness, all the acts you do, what you do when you come to God, all the, the sacrifices and the way you do the sacrifices and all that. It was all about preparing the heart to see God. And all of that led up to Jesus coming. And then Jesus turns a pivot. And he throws it on its head and he said, 
You want to give evidence of a pure heart? Here's the way you do it. And I'm just going to read the headings. Anger. Lust. Divorce and marriage. Oaths. Telling the truth. Retaliation or revenge. Love your enemies. Giving to the needy. Do you see what he's done? He's taken what was a a vertical morality. You got to do this to be right with me. Make sure you're acting a certain way towards me. Make sure the sacrifices are right. Make sure you're cleaning your hands the right way. And he said, the evidence now is the way you interact with others. Vertical morality will no longer be defined only by your interactions with God, but now will be reflected in our relationships with others. God is measuring, and by the way, we can too, we can measure our, the health of our relationship with our Heavenly Father by the interactions that we have with the people around us. The way I treat you and you and you will tell you how I am with God. There's no more coming to God and I'm going to get it right with you, but forget about the people. No, no, no. In fact, the verse I read last week, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said, you come here and somebody out there has a problem with you, leave it here and go. Go get it right there. Your vertical relationship with me is no longer defined simply vertically. It's measured. It's defined. It's evidenced by my interactions with others. How am I interacting with others? Well, you know, all of these talk about going into brokenness. They talk about loving enemies and leaving and going and going to the least and the lonely. And if there ever was a season in our city and in our country where we need to move into brokenness and we need to move into areas where people are hurting and don't understand, now is the time for us to demonstrate our love for Jesus by loving the people around us. It is that time. It's time for us to stop listening to the influences and getting deluded by everybody else's opinion. And listen to what Jesus says. Simple words that say, blessed are the pure in heart. They're going to manage their anger. Forgive people. They're going to control their own lust and realize that even thinking about it is as bad as doing it. They're going to honor their marriages. They're going to tell the truth. They're not going to take revenge on people. And they're going to love their enemies. Jesus said, you know what? Anybody loves people who are like them. Everybody does that. It's part of the human way. We love people who are like us. My followers love people who hate them. Is that how you define your life? I love people who hate me. Jesus said that's what it means to follow him. He turned it on its head. These days... We need to be people who are loving our enemies, who are leaving here and going. We need to be going towards the least and the lost and the lonely. On Monday this past week, I was just feeling burdened for one of my friends who's black. He had emailed me after the Sunday service, and and I just felt I needed to call him. He's a member of our church, longtime friend. I have a comfortable, trusting relationship with him. And I called him. And I really didn't know what to say. I knew he was frustrated 
um, with the situation that's going on, uh, but I really didn't know exactly how to broach the subject and what to say. I didn't want to make matters worse or say the wrong thing or use the wrong term and offend him. And he's really gracious and kind, and we have a, a comfortable relationship where he's um, honest with me. And so I said, hey, man, I just hope you don't mind, but I wanted to call and tell you how sorry I am about what's going on in our country and in our community. And I don't know exactly the causes or the remedies of it, but I do want you to know that, that I hurt with you and that I'm really sorry. And if there's any pain that's being caused by this or you feel victimized by it, I want you to know that I stand with you and I'm your brother in Christ and your friend and I'm a safe, friendly person for you to talk to. That's what I said. And what ensued, what followed, was just a gushing from him explaining to me the pain that he was experiencing. I had no idea that it existed. And he shared honestly with me just the way things were making him feel and it influenced my perspective. It changed my way of thinking and the way I view everything that's going on. Again, I'm not trying to fix a, a national issue or a community issue. There are smart people that need to deal with that. But I know how to step into brokenness. And I could hear the hurt in my friend's voice. And I could be a friend and I could grieve with him. And some of you are here grieving today. And I want to offer a personal response to the current tensions resulting from the brutal and needless death of George Floyd. I'm not wise enough or smart enough to know and understand all the causes and solutions for all that's going on in our country today. And I'm not trying to address this from a national, state, or even community standpoint. But I do know pain when I see it. And I do know grief when I hear it. And personally, I feel the need to help. I believe followers of Jesus have a responsibility to move towards pain and towards grief wherever we see it. I grew up with more Hispanic and black friends than white friends. In fact, I was in high school before I had more white friends than friends of color. But I acknowledge to my friends of color that your experiences have been different than mine. And I see your color beautifully. And I acknowledge your struggle. And I expect that you've encountered some roadblocks that I didn't and that you felt some shame that I've not known. And my heart aches for you. I'm sorry I've not grieved with you in the past, but I will grieve with you now. I want you to heal. And I want you to know that I'm a safe person for you to speak to, to vent with, to express your hurt, your anger, and your pain. I'm not gonna deflect your pain, and I'll not shame you for your fears. Today, I can't do much, but I can do something. Today, I can tell those who believe I hate them that I love you. And you may not believe me at first, but over time, if I stay by your side and with genuine love and compassion in my heart and with simple actions that demonstrate my true motive, perhaps my prayers and my tears will prevail. The gospel of Jesus Christ acknowledges our differences and our tensions ethnically. 
but the gospel is powerful enough to reconcile us into one body. Jesus Christ's grace is radical, and it's scandalous. I love it. And his grace makes enemies not just into friends, but into family. And today, we are family. All of us, all colors, all ethnicities, all languages, we are family. I stand as family today with my black brothers and sisters. I grieve as a family with you today. I unite as a family with you today. And I pray that beginning today, the gospel of Jesus Christ will heal, restore, and reconcile us into one beautiful, united family. If that could begin with the family of God, if just with us, if just within this community of faith, if the thousands who call First Baptist home would, would say, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe I can have a conversation. Could I appeal to you? Would it be possible that the Spirit would prompt you to say, you know what, I can have a conversation with somebody and I can speak to them and I can offer help and healing to them. I can talk to the white people in the room for just a second. For our friends of color, just pretend like you're not hearing me, okay? So I can speak candidly to my white friends. We need to turn off the noise. Stop being a diluted pond with all of the influences. I can't tell you how many posts and opinions and articles and all of those that you've sent, all trying to justify inactivity on our part. I don't need any more posts. I've got the only post I need right here. And, and it's all great, not angry about it, it's all great, but I don't need those outside influences because they're making me impure. They're convincing me of something I don't wanna be persuaded of. And to my white brethren, let me tell you, stop listening to the outside voices and let's listen to what Jesus modeled and asks of us. And here's what he asks of us. Step into brokenness. Walk into brokenness. We don't have to solve the issue. We don't have, there are places to do that. And if that's part of your calling, that's wonderful. But our primary loyalty, being pure, undivided in our loyalty, is person to person. I did that call on Monday. I was so overwhelmed at his response that I took out a piece of paper. Started writing the names of other friends that I have of color, mostly black friends, that needed to hear from me. And this week, day by day, the Spirit's prompting, pick up the phone and call. Sometimes on a Zoom, sometimes on a Skype, sometimes FaceTime, sometimes on a whatever. Every single time, 100%. Man, Danny, thank you for calling. You didn't need to call. Thank you. Every single time, enriching my perspective, helping me understand something I've not walked through. And every one of them seeing a side of me that they've not seen before. As I started the week, I really thought I was going to be a blessing to them. How, how shallow of me. By the time I got to the end of the week, it's not 
they who were enriched by it. It was me who was enriched by it because they expressed to me their own gentle walk with Jesus and how in the midst of this difficulty, they're finding the grace to, to live and to love and to be God's people where they are. And in the midst of that, they shared it with me. Could I appeal to you? Would it be possible? Could somehow the Holy Spirit spark it in each one of us to just take that simple step to move into brokenness, to stop worrying about the outside and wearing the mask and just say, I want to step into the brokenness that you're experiencing. I don't understand it all and I can't solve it all. But I can love somebody and I can let you grieve. 18 months ago, my mother-in-law laid in state right here. We conducted her funeral in this very room. My mother-in-law died of Alzheimer's. It's a painful, horrible experience for our family to walk through. Some of your families have walked through that as well. And her day of celebration was right here in this church. I sat right there and grieved her passing, a wonderful lady. But you could have walked in that day. What if you had? And you said, hey, Danny, what, how did your mother-in-law die? And I said, well, she died of Alzheimer's. And you go, oh, wait a second. Actually, Danny, nobody dies of Alzheimer's. You don't die of Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is an underlying condition. You die of something else. You really don't die of Alzheimer's. I go, well, you know what? You're right. She didn't die of Alzheimer's. That was the underlying condition. She had a heart issue in the last days, and that's actually what she died of. But the Alzheimer's is what we suffered with. And they said, well, actually, are you sure it's Alzheimer's? I said, well, I don't know. So because... You know, you really don't know if it's Alzheimer's until after you've done an autopsy. And so you really shouldn't say she died of Alzheimer's because it might have been dementia. And actually, obviously, the heart issue killed her. So you really shouldn't say what it... Would anybody do that? You would never do that to me. I know you because a lot of you were here. That's the last thing you would do. You would not throw statistics my way. You wouldn't give me some big argument. You wouldn't say, hey, you can't grieve because you didn't feel it like somebody else did. Or, or what if somebody came and they weren't even part of our family, but they have their own loved one who's just been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and they're sitting here watching us celebrate her life and thinking to themselves, that's what I'm getting ready to face and I'm grieving over it. Would anybody say to them, you can't grieve? Of course not. And say, I'm so sorry that you're grieving. Whether it's justified or not, it shouldn't matter to us. Jesus moved towards brokenness, and he didn't lecture people, and he didn't give them statistics. He said, I care for you, and I'm moving into the space where you are. Could it be that God would use this season to create something in us that changes everything if just the body of Christ would do it, if just us? We each took some names and we each said, I have people I know. We just had conversations with people that we're comfortable with. And we just say to them, I love you, I care for you. In Spanish, we have a sayings that we use at funerals. We don't have the equivalent in English, by the way. It doesn't mean, it doesn't have the same meaning. We don't have a combination of words that are as strong as what this combination is in Spanish. Many of you speak Spanish. I can see it already on your faces. But in Spanish, the phrase, you didn't know you were getting a Spanish lesson today, did you? See, you get that for free. Here's what it says. Te acompaño en tus sentimientos. 
Te acompaño en tus sentimientos. You know what that means? It means I accompany you in your feelings. What a beautiful thing to say to someone. You know, that's all we need to say. I want to accompany you in your feelings. I want to be there with you. I want to walk with you, love you, give you a place to communicate. And what could happen if we do that? Jesus tells us, you know what will happen? We get to see God. We get to see God. There's actually two different meanings to that. It's a deep meaning that Jesus gives us here. One is we get to see God today. There's an immediate part to this. There's, there's a way that Jesus is saying this, that when you have a pure heart and it's evidenced with the way you interact with people, you get to see evidence of God. You get to see him moving. You get to see the things that he's doing in the lives of people. Some people see evil everywhere. People who are pure in heart see God everywhere because they see the handiwork of God in the simplest of ways and the most profound ways. The handiwork of God. There's, a, there's an immediate aspect to this. There's also a future aspect. It means we're going to get to see God one day. So we see him today and we see him one day. I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk out expecting to see my truck again and not see the truck. And I don't want to show up somewhere expecting to see God and not see God. I want to have a pure heart. On Thursday, I think it was Thursday of this week, I got a call in my office, and the call was that there was a police officer downstairs, and would I please come downstairs? That's a little disconcerting, especially at this season. And so I made my way downstairs, and I got there to see um, two or three of our staff um, in interacting with one of our Orlando police officers. And they told me afterwards that what happened, they were standing, they were delivering some things uh, here to the church, and um, they were standing there doing that, and all of a sudden this police car pulled up, and the police officer got out of the car and was completely slumped over like that, and when he got up, he was crying uncontrollably. And when I got there a few minutes later, I could still tell he had been crying. It was obvious. And they said he was just crying uncontrollably and saying that he, he couldn't go to work. He couldn't go to work. Can you please pray for me? Can you please pray for me? And they did the only thing they knew to do. They stepped into the brokenness. And they went and embraced him. They forgot about social distancing for a second. Don't tell on them. And they put their hands on his shoulders and they prayed for him. They stepped into the situation in a beautiful way. And by the time I got there, they'd actually prayed for him already. He was feeling way better and they'd actually given him some cookies. You can see him here in the picture. On top of everything else, they gave him cookies. That helps anybody feel better, right? Because they were delivering these cookies here to the church. Later in the week, he posted on Facebook. We didn't expect that, of course. But Ben is his name. He's worked for OPD for 17 years. He said that morning he woke up. He was supposed to go to the station to report. 
And he said, I just couldn't, I couldn't go. This season's been so hard and I'm so frustrated and I feel ashamed and I, I feel like I don't have the strength to go. Emotionally, I didn't have the strength to go. And he said, I was getting to my vehicle and the sense just came over me, go to First Baptist Orlando. Go to First Baptist Orlando. And so he left his house and he even said he missed a turn and, and the Holy Spirit said to him again, or God said to him, whatever, go to First Baptist Orlando. And he turned around and headed our way and he pulled on the campus just in time to find some of our staff and some cookies here waiting for him. That day when I walked out there, I got to see God working in the lives of people who stepped into brokenness. Here's the way he responded on his post on Facebook. I cannot explain in words the amount of relief I began to feel with hands on my shoulder and hearing voices praying, not just for me, but for all involved in the events going on. As we finished praying, I felt as though a huge weight had been taken off my shoulder. They reminded me how much First Baptist loves all of us. I don't go to church and I rarely pray. But when things like this happen, it reminds me that the Lord is watching over me and he guides, especially when I need him most. Because people stepped into brokenness. So I wonder for you today, would you do it? Would you step into brokenness? Is there somebody you could call? A conversation you can have? Stop listening to the outside influences. Take off the mask. Don't worry about the sanitizer. It's a part of our heart. I want to invite you to consider two questions today, just like we've done the last few weekends. Question number one, how many people of color have crossed the threshold of your home? Obviously, white people. Ask yourself this question. How many people of color have crossed the threshold of our home? You know, among white people, do you know what my, maybe the most common thing we say to each other? Well, I've got black friends. As though somehow having somebody at work or at school or in your neighborhood or whatever that you can say hello to kind of leaves you, okay, I don't have any responsibility. I want to know this. Who's crossed the threshold of your home? Is there somebody you could invite? Betsy and I, this week, we made a list. Who's been to our home? And who needs to come to our home? Question number two. Is there someone I know with whom I can grieve? And am I willing to leave and go to them? Today, we're going to end our time together with Kiani singing for us. She led us earlier with the band, but she's going to sing this song alone. It's really a prayer of our heart today. She's part of our experience here on a regular basis, but we wanted Kiani to lead this because it represents our plea and our cry for Jesus in our lives. Let me pray, and then Kiani will lead us in this beautiful song. God, I just ask, would you do your work in us? 
Would you let us be your ministers of reconciliation? Deep down in our hearts, would you convict us and speak to us and give us the opportunities to step into brokenness just like you did, to move towards the hurt, towards the pain, and towards reconciliation. I pray, God, that you'd raise up right here in this room, right here at this church, the people to begin the healing process. May we each take on the personal responsibility that we need to assume to complete the work that you want to do in this season in our country. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.